0: Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast, episode 112.
1: And my job is to look at myself in the mirror as a head person and be like, what are my strengths and weaknesses and how can I make my staff well-rounded based off of what i bring to the table?
0: This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I'm Eric McMahon. Today, we're joined by Stephanie Mock, the Assistant Athletic Director for Sports Performance at the University of Pittsburgh. Stephanie and I have been connecting recently on sports science initiatives and some of the cool things going on at Pitt. So, uh, Stephanie, welcome.
1: Yes. Thanks so much, Eric, for having me on. It's been good between the webinar and now the podcast. uh, Great chain of events going on so far. It's really exciting.
0: For sure. Uh, Yeah, the webinar we had with University of Pittsburgh, Masters of Sports Science program, and in collaboration with the uh, Pitt Performance program. And so just diving into some of the collaboration between the academic side and the sports side. But before we get into some of that, I want you to tell your story. You know, how did you get into the profession and what led you to where you're at today?
1: Yeah. So I got into the profession, uh, when I was at West Virginia university playing volleyball and if I stand up, I'm like five foot three. So being at a power five school, I really knew that I had to tap into the weight room and my training to maximize my potential on the court. Uh, I wasn't just like physically gifted to be six, six and have a vertical of like 10, seven, you know? So, um, that's what I really started to embrace and love the weight room and and find my leadership role in that space. And I was lucky to have a really great strength coach when I was there at West Virginia. Um, I had Corey Twine. He's actually in the tactical side of things now, but Corey was great and really a a huge influence, not only in the weight room, but also uh, from a core values and work ethic standpoint, really bled into the court as well. So he was a really good role model um, from when I went into the college system of what I wanted to be. And he actually, after a couple of years left to go to Michigan. So whenever he left, it was really a sad day. And that's when I really realized like, wow, strength, they're just never have a really heavy role in people's collegiate careers. And um, so he really inspired me off the rib, And it was funny, full circle, full tilt forward whenever I called him to let him know like, hey, I want to get into the field of strength and conditioning. And I, I wanted to intern with football at WVU with Mike Joseph. I called him to let him know that I was going to get into the field. He was like, are you sure you want to do that? You know, and he like really questioned whether or not it was something that I was committed to and wanted to do, or I thought it was just going to be like something fun, exciting. And he actually advised against it, um, which was, I was super surprised. I was like, wait, what? You were like my mentor and someone I looked up to and you're kind of trying to like talk me out of it. But he was just warning me of the long hours and what it was going to entail. So uh, it was just very an interesting moment in my career that sticks out. Um, and then I interned with football and Olympic sports at WBU. Uh, their setup was interesting because Mike Joseph, that's still there to this day, he's over the whole entire SNC department as that football role. Uh, they didn't have a director of Olympic sports. Um, so I was there to intern um, for a period of time throughout like the fall and into the spring. And then in the summer, I actually came up here and interned for Kim King uh, at the University of Pittsburgh. So in 2013, I interned for the summer. Um, And even when I I got here and took this job, I went back to, like, the back closet area where I used to put my stuff. That was, quote, unquote, my desk. I was like, oh, my goodness. Now I'm back full tilt um, and in charge. It was a really cool, cool experience. But I interned here. In 2013, I'm from Pittsburgh originally. So I like lived in my aunt and uncle's house. So it was free, could intern in the summer. And then after that, that's when I made the trek down south uh, to South Carolina to Clemson University. And I worked for uh, Dennis Love and Rick Franz Blau. They were both directors at the time that I was down there. Uh, I was super thankful for them. I started as an unpaid intern and then I was a graduate assistant and then I was an assistant and then I was the assistant director. So it was a really unique opportunity to be able to project up in one place, because we all know that that can be pretty tough nowadays in the field. So I was able to elevate myself at at one school um, through multiple positions, which was was really great. I had different team responsibilities, different administrative responsibilities. And then I remember getting promoted into the assistant director role. And kind of my plan with Rick was like, all right, hey, Steph, we're going to have you in this role for two to three years. I'm going to get you ready. And then we're going to send you off to to be a director, you know, because that was my end goal. Well, it was like eight months in that position. And then I got the call from Mississippi state and I was like, Oh man, this really wasn't the plan. No, it wasn't. So I go to Rick and I'm like talking with him to see what his thoughts are of am I ready for this role? You know, is this a good step? Is this, is this the spot, you know um, and and really getting us feedback and weighing out the pros and cons. So I went to interview and, I ended up taking it, so um, it was great. I was able to, to take someone with me. One of my interns from the past time, Aaron Thuball, Uh he was actually at Texas at the time working for Travis Bluntes in the, the sports science realm. And I called him and I was like, hey, you can come and be kind of a hybrid role with me. Or, are you ready? And I talked him into it, went to Mississippi State was there for three years. Um, Definitely a unique situation. I've never been to Mississippi prior to that. So um, I remember Corey Twine going back to him. He told me when I went on my interview to count how many Walmarts were on campus, because that's how you could tell if you were in civilization or not. He's like, all right, if there's only one Walmart, then I don't know if you could work there. But if there's more than one, if there's two, you could do it. You know, you're in civilization. So there was like one and a half because there was a Walmart and like a, a market or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, my time in Mississippi was great. I was really able to, to grow significantly in a short period of time. And that led to me coming to take this role as at Pitt as assistant Cincinnati for sports performance. And sports performance equates to I'm over the SNC department and then I'm also over uh, sports science and, and building that out. And, and that's part of the, the master's piece of being over these students and working with Matt Darnell and just a lot of uh, great resources here at Pitt. And that's what, what really lured me into coming up here is just all the opportunities that I think we can really build and grow even just outside of the athletic department. You know, it's whether it's the academia side with the sports science masters, hopefully building some type of PhD down the road, but also having a heavy influence with the innovation department. Uh, Evan Thatcher's he's fantastic. And whether it's inventing new pieces of equipment and this, that, and the other, there's just a lot of resources and, and great people that I can learn from. So that's, I know a very long drawn out uh, answer,
0: but there we go. No, that's great. And I think there's so many relatable points in there from, you know, just the value of internships. And I want to ask you about that, but uh, you know, also just professional path and mentorship and, and who you're working with. I know uh, Rick at Clemson, they run a great internship program there and it's great to see, you know, and, I, and I've worked with a few uh, Clemson coaches over the years, and they're very well prepared in the field. To uh, It's just great to see you. You got an opportunity maybe ahead of where you thought, and, uh, and now you're in your second director position. Um, but one thing I do want to ask, you know, you, you went to Pitt early, and then you got some experience. You went out into the field, and now you're back. You know, how has your perspective as a coach changed And, uh, you kind of got into that a little bit when you're talking about getting into your office and, uh, seeing where you were before, but, um, relate that for us.
1: Yeah. Perspective wise. I just think back to like one thing that, that really stands out in my mind is I remember I interned here in the summer and I kept interviewing for different GA spots all across the country. I applied to like 50 or 60 positions as I was trying to make my next step. And I kept getting, like, no, no, no. I get down to the final two candidates. Uh, sorry, we're gonna have to go a different direction. And I remember at one point towards the end of my internship in the in the summer, I was like, man, is this really for me? You know, because I kept getting turned down multiple, multiple times. You don't know, have enough experience, you're not the right fit, this, that, and the other. And I remember talking to Kim King that was in here and she just told me to like stay at it, you know. Uh, and I think that's corny to say sometimes, which is true, you know, like uh, I got turned down so many times and I was at the point of like, am I going to get another opportunity? And then it was crazy. I always try to tell the interns now, like when you interview for a position, like you never know who knows who, you may not be the right fit for that role in particular, but Susie Q could know Joe over here that needs this role and you're the right fit for that. So never never go through an interview and end on bad terms, you know, because actually I interviewed for a GA spot and the the person that I interviewed with, he thought I was great, just not the right fit. And he called Dennis Love at Clemson and was like, you got to hire this girl. You got to get her down there, this, that, and the other. So I think there's just so many opportunities that, that you don't even realize sometimes that you're interviewing for one job that you're really interviewing for a whole other job just based off of people's networks. So I think that was super unique. And uh, it was crazy to think back then I was like, man, am I really cut out for all this? And luckily I, I stayed with it, but, um and then, yeah, coming back, it's just, it's really cool to see throughout the different leadership styles of athletic directors, like Heather, like this year now. And I think back to when I was here at Pitt the first time and there really weren't too many teams doing all that great for Olympic sports, you know, like top 25 wasn't really something that was happening back then. And, um not to discredit anybody that was here at that time but it was really cool when I came to interview and see things come full tilt like right now volleyball is ranked number two in the country and then soccer they went to the college cup last year they're in the top 25 like we just have a lot of teams seeing a lot of success so it's pretty cool to see back then when I was here um not as much so and now coming back full tilt it's just it's really cool to see because I'm from Pittsburgh you have a certain level of pride that you want Pitt to do well and I'm coming back at a time that Um, yeah, those, those things are happening. And I I was talking with a couple of coaches, like the goal is for all our Olympic teams, let's get them all into the top 25 because that creates a really special training environment in here because nowadays there's not too many settings on campus that are multi-team settings, right? Like everyone has their, their facility, their soccer facility, baseball, like the weight room is the one place where different teams get to come together and train, you know, and see one another. So I, I really see it as unique and Really great opportunity, but yeah, it's really cool to see coming back around like and and having my couple stops in between what I've learned and how I've developed and and conversations to be had now. And even there's a couple coaches, there's only like two people that were here in 2013 um, that I had worked with back then to coming back now. Actually, I had all the coach Fish, Dan Fisher, he was one of them that he had just gotten hired in the summer. And then I come back, started as an intern, come back as the, the person in charge. So it's just crazy. As we all know, athletics is a fast-paced environment. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's been great.
0: Yeah. So, you know, at summer strong, you were talking about your time at Mississippi state and, uh, the stages of building and implementing your program and your philosophy over multiple years. Uh, now you're in this new role with Pitt, and, uh, you're doing it all over again. So what does that look like second time around? How are you approaching it? Are there any differences? Uh, talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think the settings are a little bit different, right? So when I was at Mississippi State, I was inheriting a situation that um, I really appreciate actually Brian Neal. He was in the position before me and he left a letter in the desk that said, like, I put a lot of time into this place and invested a lot. And like, I hope you do the same and leave this place in a better um, place than I found it type of thing you know And I really appreciate that notes it's kind of like all right like yes I'm gonna I'm gonna carry that through Then same thing I kept the note actually in the desk but I left the city state but when I'd gotten there um, it was like Brian was there the director and there was one other full-time and then everyone else was GAs um, so just the state of the state of there weren't many full-time positions. Like all the head coaches were used to having GAs and a lot of turnover. And one thing that I wanted to do when I went to Mississippi state was create more full-time positions, you know, create a little bit more longevity for the strength coaches working with some of these different teams, you know, rather than having the, the consistent turnover all of the time, like having a different strength coach every year, you know, I wanted to create really a playbook that the sport coaches knew what to expect when they came into our space so, adding those full time positions, I was able to create, build a whole new weight room, uh, renovate that space because it was just, a, just like, um, I don't know, a fresh, a fresh face coming in. Like, I was able to, when I got hired, we did uh, a SWOT analysis. There were two different weight rooms at the time. There was one, and one facility for Olympic sports that was like a big horseshoe shape, wasn't very safe, wasn't really ideal. And then there was the other weight room that was like a, a big rectangle. So walking administration through, I had the, the chance to take the AD, the CFO, all the other strength staffs, walk them through these two spaces and really paint my vision of what I thought was gonna be great for Olympic sports. You know, so I took that opportunity, was really detail oriented, put together that presentation to best spell out to administration why the weight room is a, a really important place for the student athletes. Doing that, like I had to start planning that actually when I was still at Clemson, um, cause I had to do that within like, the first week. So. Um, just facility-wise, getting things caught up, staffing-wise, getting things caught up. And then now coming here to Pitt, uh, it's really great because we actually have a lot more full-time staff already here. I really appreciate Tyler Carpenter that was here prior to me. He took the director job at Ohio State. Um, We already have three full-time staff members in Olympic sports along with the, the head position. I added an associate head position actually under me as well with adding lacrosse. I add to, um, fellow positions. I actually explained to administration the, the process of I'm really big on like the grassroots approach, you know, um, creating and getting people to understand my system and then hopefully promoting from within, um, and sending them out to bigger and better places. So really just investing in people as well as of course facilities, but I think just, uh, the personnel that I'm walking into already, uh, it's at a, a high level, you know, I have a, a lot of really good skilled players, so I'm able to, to, assign responsibilities accordingly versus at mississippi state it was like kind of starting from zero and building it up i'm coming in here and i'm at like a little bit higher standpoint and i have some personnel that can do some special stuff so just it's my job to now organize things like all right frank you're really good with return to play like i want that to be your niche um taylor you're really good with rotational sport athletes like i want that to be your niche so like just really taking the personnel that i have assigning them to to certain areas and then even team assignments I had to come in and kind of realign some of those pieces as well so I think that's like the biggest difference that I've seen between the two places of I'm starting a little bit higher um, here at Pitt so hopefully I can kind of move I know I talked about like the three-year process within that high performance model I'm starting a little bit further ahead so that's kind of nice and I really look at things uh, from the book good to great as like the flywheel concept right it takes a lot of momentum to get that wheel going, right? It takes a lot of work on the front end, but once you get the wheel going, then it's just keeping it going, you know? So I think the whole like work on the front end, now it's just getting everybody working off the same playbook, using the same verbiage, progressions, you know, onboarding, the master students, the interns, like all the different people that we have come in and out throughout the year. But um, I think that's the biggest difference that I've seen so far.
0: When when coaches are getting into the field, you know, they... they... They know they need internships. They know they need experience. And I think young coaches have a pretty good idea of what an assistant strength and conditioning coach job might look like. Even, you know, eventually you get experience, a head strength and conditioning coach position. uh, But maybe there's a little less knowledge in the field about what the day-to-day of a director role is, especially with working uh, across multiple sports with, with a bigger staff take us through that a little bit, just, you know, leading a program and now you have sports science added into the mix. What, what does your day look like?
1: Yeah, my day is quite hectic, <laughs> you know? So, um, I do still have, uh, some teams. I think that's the biggest question I get. since I've taken this role is like, do you still actually train teams on the floor? I do my, uh, I have one team, uh, I have wrestling. So actually, uh, they're great because, for my role and being so busy and going to different meetings and, some and the other, like, they don't need much travel, you know, and they don't wear like catapult units. They have to do daily reports, like their stuff's just a little bit more low maintenance. You know, I still get down to practice and stuff like that, but I have one team I am covering volleyball as well, because uh, my one uh, assistant head, she just had a baby. So that's really exciting, Mary Beth. So I'm covering volleyball too right now. Um, But uh I come into work, you know, I, I train my team in the morning and then really from there, uh there's a lot of committees here at Pitt, which I think is great. So I'm part of the performance team committee. I'm part of Pitt script for life. And a lot of these committees have administrators within the committee and we meet bi-weekly and we talk about how can we really educate some of the other areas in the athletic department of like what we do, you know? So, and the performance team committee is, uh, assembled with sports science, um, with like Matt Darnell. Uh, strength, conditioning, nutrition, uh, sports med, and the mental side. So that committee was already, it was really nice. I walked into that committee being set up, which a lot of places that's not the case. So with that committee, we talk about different initiatives. So like our performance team newsletter and things like that. So I'm part of, usually I have some of the committee meeting throughout the day. Um, and then I really try to get to different practices for different teams. So other than my own, just to show face and and talk with the sport coaches informally about some different things. So I think when you set up formal meetings, sometimes the, the conversation isn't as great, you know, but when you're coming to practice and you're trying to just watch things and see how they go, you know, uh, you have conversations that are really important and a little bit more organic in nature. Um, I meet with my, uh, our head of performance biweekly, weekly So his name's Chris Hoppe He's fantastic. But we talk about, um, like where we want to go with things how can we fundraise money uh the one big thing that's different in this position than historically my others is meeting with like the head of philanthropy to fundraise money for our new facility or, or sports science pieces so i'll maybe sit down with him and do some presentation you know about like what are we looking into into the field like all right how can we fundraise money for a couple 1080s or how can we fundraise money to, for ams and he can kind of more talk about like, all right, I think this donor, they want to give this amount of money. And I think they would be interested in this piece of technology. So if I put 10 things out there, um, that's another responsibility that I have that historically I have it. So I'll usually meet with some type of administrator throughout the day. Uh, I try to go to practice. Like I told from my staff, one of our goals is making it to whatever sports or teams that you have, making it to one practice a week to kind of show face in their space and that you respect what they do. So, um, and then I do have, so like on Mondays, we have our staff meetings. On Wednesdays, we do staff professional development. Um, so whether that's like today, we actually just got the new hawk and plates going through that training. Uh, we were going through like Strength Coach Network Fundamentals course. We do once a month, some staff professional development call. Then usually Friday, it's some type of like uh, creative, like someone's presenting on, on something. So like our one sports science fellow uh, down at basketball, he's going to talk about like isometric training, um, what's important, what. What time of year do you do it? It's that and the other, but really just organizing personnel is really important. And me just touching base with head coaches, administration, um, going through hiring processes, being a part of hiring processes for all the performance areas. Like right now, we're actually hiring for a women's basketball position. Uh, I'm over that as well. So getting with that head coach and talking to him about expectations like, how do you see success in this SNC position for women's basketball? So I can align the talent pool and kind of give it to him when he we set up the zoom interviews and go from there. So I think, yeah, my hands in a lot of different pots, uh, along with, I'll go over the neuromuscular lab too and talk to Dr. Nindal and Matt Darnell and some of the PhD students over there of what they're working on. And we're actually doing a a DEXA bone study with them right now with some of our student athletes. So those are just like a few different things, but this is usually a weekly basis that I'm, I'm tapping into some of these different areas.
0: It's exciting to see the collaboration with the sports science program that maybe you don't see at every major university. I'd like to hear more about that. How do you integrate the masters of sports science students in your weight room program and with your coaches?
1: Yeah, no, it's been great. So like in the Fitzgerald, Fieldhouse house weight room, the Olympic sports weight room, we have three masters students. So they just got here um, end of August, like September. And we call, the first phase of them coming in just operations right We get them in the space we onboard them with different pieces of technology like how to use the gym aware problem solve with that we just got force plates um, how to run an athlete through testing we make sure that we introduce them to all our teams so they know who these people are just like our SNC interns because they're going to be around them at practice a lot especially the teams that have catapult. Um, but really introducing them to everybody, even the sport coaches as well. we take them out to practice and really the day-to-day operations, you know, and they meet every Wednesday with my one associate Aaron Duvall. Um, he's over their curriculum and then he's the main connection with Matt Darnell. Matt will even come over. Um, he's also the, the dietitian for the Steelers. So he's a busy man, but he'll come over and meet with the sports science master students in our weight room periodically. Um, just to touch base with them. But phase one is just that operational phase. We're actually still in that, getting them onboarded and able to create reports and things like that. And then phase two is really just talking about execution. That's kind of going into the wintertime. And this is when we actually like talk about monitoring growth, uh, educate them on some of the acute to chronic workload ratio pieces, Excel tricks, uh, how to better report. Uh, They actually meet with our PIT IT uh, and work through a Tableau training um, because we have that access Through the university, so they'll do training with like some of the IT students as well as an extra resource. Um, And then the phase three piece is just optimization, you know, and that's going through. All right, we're preparing them for going and taking a position after this. So are you able to um, work on your portfolio, build out reports, and start applying for positions and feel confident, you know? And are you able to go to the performance team meetings with us? If I'm going to the performance team meeting, let's say for wrestling, are you able to sit in there? And I have the reports in front of us. You go in and you actually talk on some of the reporting pieces as the strength coach feels comfortable with that. But um, we're adding an AMS system. So I know that'll be a big piece of them helping build that out as well. uh, get the system built and then also like helping develop new uh, jump assessment programs, you know and staying on the the up and up um, strengths and weaknesses through like data charts. But we really try to, we built our curriculum um, based around, of course, like the new book, the new Essentials Book for Sports Science. So a lot of the different pieces that's going through, like they'll take turns reading chapters and presenting to the group and their staff meetings on Wednesdays um, and talking about that. So I think trying to layer it so that at the end they can go take the exam. So coming soon as we get through, send them off to do that since they've been working with us the whole entire year um but that's all working hand in hand with matt's curriculum for the master's students which matt myself and aaron met on like in the summertime around july early august because we all just got hired um and talked to him about how can we complement one another with the curriculums i think the one great thing that makes our relationship work is like none of us have egos you know we're all open-minded to like hey what class can i change you know like what class should i remove and add maybe and it's not gonna be all of them clearly but like always trying to develop and change things. And even to the point that Aaron's looking at next year, being some type of like adjunct professor, you know, and really connecting that academia side uh, and athletic side. Cause I think that's something that uh, if you talk to like your chancellors at your universities, they're all about, if we can find ways to really connect those two areas, we're doing something special.
0: You've touched on a number of pieces of technology that you're using I can think back to early in my coaching career, we were testing, but not optimizing the process of applying the information. Uh, and, and I can think back to just an Excel spreadsheet getting thrown down on the table in the coach's room. Now with the growth and advancement of technology in the space of sports science, uh, you know how do, you, how do you put technology in buckets or apply it to your program in a way that isn't overwhelming? uh, for your coaches, for your teams, for your athletes, staff. Uh, do you think about that at all?
1: No, definitely. Especially coming in as administration is kind of handing to me the keys of like, all right, we need you to come in and, uh, over the next six months, I'll be hiring a director of sports science in hopes as long as COVID stuff doesn't get too crazy. Right. But hiring that director of sports science and really creating buy-in is what, um, Administration has tasked me to do coming into this role since I'm over both areas. And that's something that they haven't had the resources historically to be able to do, but they know and they see the importance behind it. So they fully support me funding wise and things like that. But it's my job to educate uh, not only my staff, you know, and all that, areas, but also um, the sport coaches. So, how to approach all these different coaches is going to look a little bit different. But the one way, and I know philosophy is like a very corny way of thinking about it, but. Um, my philosophy is looking at that feedback loop. I know I talked about it a little bit summer strong, but this is how I simplify things with sport coaches is I talk about, all right, hey, we're collecting a bunch of information, whether it's sport specific metrics, you know, for like baseball, if you use diamond kinetics and this, that, and the other. So, like, all right, we're collecting objective and subjective information. Um, then we're working around the feedback loop into analyzing and interpreting the data. So like what are norms for positions, thresholds, uh, preparedness trends? Um, and then after that, what adjustments do we need to make? And I think a lot of the times sport coaches are already doing this just with like the coach's eye, but let's back you up and really make you feel confident in some of these uh, adjustments that you're making, whether it's more or less like alternate supplementation using like Catapult, for example, with soccer, um, and then just implementation finishing out that feedback loop in a sense of um training competition recovery and the education piece i think has been really important and i know auburn actually our dietitian does a really good job with the the education of supplementation and and where things are at in that space but i really try to simplify things with like all right where do things fit in in that feedback loop you know and and they're all they usually if you make it into quadrants such as that they can they can figure it out a little bit easier um, when it comes to actual testing and assessment, so whenever we're talking about it as a staff, we split it up in a, a few different thresholds. So we split it up as uh, diagnostic testing is our first area that we look into. And this is going to be, uh, we have a board, we're getting a groin bar and contact grid, but that's, that's the first level. Um, the second level is going to be more of the auto-regulation and profiling that we look into. So using the Gemaware, using Catapult um the third one that i know like this term's kind of gotten interesting feedback every time is load management so looking at in depth looks into internal external loads um breaking down segments of training using some type of like submax beep test for some of that load management um another one is just looking at athlete readiness you know and that's where we use the force plates that we just got through hawken um ams wellness questionnaires you know that's something super simple and the last piece that we look at is just some of the um, data analysis that we do. So, like I said, Tableau, whether it's Power BI, um, but just looking at different ways to analyze games and training in in that respect. So I know I just spoke about a lot of different things, but there's like the the language that we use the sport coaches and then also the language that we kind of use in-house as well within our sports performance team.
0: Early on, you were talking about your path in the profession, and it was largely through Olympic strength and conditioning. Now you oversee a similar internship type curriculum for sports science that has some different areas to it. Like when we're talking about programming languages, how do you encourage coaches to determine which path is right for them uh, from a staff development standpoint?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I really talked to some of our younger people coming up and I'm like, well, what's the end goal? Because clearly in my position, I have to be able to do some sort of both, you know, I need to be dangerous enough in the sports science realm to oversee it, you know, but at the same time, like I came up in a time where S&C was really the only thing in sports science was like I thought in the, the distance. So I tell them, like, I do want them to be well-rounded, you know, like you are a, a generalist to start you know, in the field, you're trying to learn everything, you know? Uh, And then I feel as if as you become like an assistant, usually you become a specialist in some capacity because you're leaned on within the staff to like be good at a certain skill set. Like I had mentioned earlier, I kind of take my assistants and I spread them out with like return to play or like Aaron's really good with the data science piece. He got a master's at ETSU in sports science and then was at Texas. So I know he's someone that enjoys the analytics and, and some of that. And that's why he's over, um, the sport science master's students as like co to matt darnell but um i tell them to start as generalist then you might specialize a little bit more and then like as you get to the top in my role you're a generalist again you know like you have to be able to do a little bit of everything so i like my staff even how i came up like with rick he wanted us to get exposure to all different teams you know he wasn't like oh steph you're only helping with baseball and then the rest of the time like um you're working on stuff in the back with excel or whatever else he wanted us to be uh well rounded when it came to like the soccers with energy system development softball baseball with rotational training um with track and field like programming and progressing heavy workloads you know or heavy weight training or periodization so i was i came up in a time around mentors that wanted us to be extremely well-rounded because you never know like in my role i have to walk out on the floor and talk to a diving recruit to a baseball recruit to a volleyball recruit so like being able to understand what goes into all these different teams. And I know the one thing that's really cool with our master's students for sports science, they sit with our S interns, like all in the same space. So they're constantly just brainstorming. I'm like, what are you learning today? What are you learning today? And I think really our best um, master students I've seen so far is just like, they want to take everything and run with it. They want to learn a little bit of everything and they're around like maybe when the kids come in or volleyball comes, they jump on the hawk and force plates with our sports science master student, but then they don't like, go and hide in the back. They stay out and watch training because we're collecting a lot of this information in training. So like gym aware, when we have that on back squat, you know, they're pulling the numbers online, but if they're not watching it live, And they see some like crazy number online when they're pulling the data. They're like, oh yeah, I remember Susie Q and she did that squat. Like the thing was wrapped around 12 times. So I think it's good for them to be around as much as possible to see both ends of the spectrum uh, and be as well-rounded as possible, uh, especially early in time, you know, because you're just trying to be, like I said, generalist of just knowing enough to be dangerous in some way, shape or form. And just having the conversation on the floor with the strength coaches to better understand what we're looking for and expectations and then out practice, same thing. Uh, when the sport coaches are talking about like what drills went well and not so well, um, trying to get them around as much stuff as possible to speak that language and understand what they're looking at, especially if they're coming from a background that like isn't sports oriented, you know, if it's mainly analytics and then they're jumping into the sports world, you know, or academia and then jumping in, it's like, all right, you need to be able to, to get in meetings and have conversations and people feel like they can connect with you. So I definitely say I like them to be around as much as possible and just helping out in any, any way, shape or form, especially at the beginning of times.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's so much, there's so, it seems like there's so much more now, you know, that, that you have to get educated on and, and, and study up. And, and, you know, one thing that comes through with what you said, you know, be well-rounded, be a generalist first, but it really speaks to, and you've, done this the way you're answering these questions you know at every institution is adding value to the program you're in in the role you have you know uh whatever your skills are you know giving back to that program in whatever way you can and continuing to learn and that's something we've talked about a lot is you know the different courses or education professional development things that that you do with your staff now that helped you along the way what advice do you have for coaches in pursuing, whether it be certifications, uh, education programs, even some things that I think we have very, sometimes in this field, we're very critical of, of new things that just pop up on our radar, sometimes even our Instagram page. You know, How do you look at and evaluate new things in terms of your educational path and what's good for your coaches and what do you recommend for, for young coaches to pursue?
1: Yeah, I think about, in particular, my staff, and let's say in a normal non-COVID year, like all our continuing education money, I saw it as a, a unique opportunity historically at some schools I've been at, instead of like everyone going to, let's say, like the same conference, not saying NSC or CCA, because you need to go to your CEUs and, and things like that, but like some of the extra money, like try to spread out where everyone's going. So everyone can come back and do a presentation on like, hey, I went out to the LA Dodgers uh, SNC symposium. You know, when I come back, I presented the staff on what I learned, you know, and then somebody else goes to like TFC or something, you know, and then they come back and present on what they learned. Like having a large staff is a huge benefit because you can all bring different sheds of light um, on things. So I think trying to use your staff to the, the highest ability to, to gain the most knowledge and just make connections. And I think that's one way that's super cost efficient, you know, if you're at a smaller school is we do like the monthly staff professional development calls, you know, like we just reached out to Tread Athletics last month. Like that's the one beauty of uh, Instagram, you know, or Twitter is like, you can get a hold of people really easy. And um, you have a lot of resources like right at your fingertips. So you might as well just, you'd be surprised. I think we could just DM and be like, Hey, I know you don't know me, but I think you're doing great stuff. Uh, I'd like to talk more about what you're doing assessment and testing wise, you know, or before you purchase a piece of equipment, you know, and it's really expensive. Hey, reach out to some of your colleagues in the field and have some open and honest conversations about some of this stuff. But I think utilizing your staff in a a high level manner is big, like sending everybody to a different piece. And then also uh, really looking into um, just using your network and using social media in a positive way. Because I think so many people, you'd like try to tear each other down and it's like, uh, I don't really know. Like, I don't. I don't advise of that. You know, from my seat that I'm sitting in, I try to really respect everyone's view. Like, and having conversations of, I think we are a lot of disagree in our space, right? But like, hey, I respect what you're saying, but I think this. You know, so making sure that you are effectively communicating at a high level that you're still respecting others in the field. But yeah, you'd be surprised how many people you just shoot them a message and then you hop on and they do like a, a sweet presentation for you. And that's helping them get their thoughts organized. Cause I know stuff that I've done, like even when I was presented at Summerstrong, you know, at the end of my time at Mississippi state of like, man, I had to really organize my phases, you know, and I did it without even thinking like during that time, I knew the things that I wanted to accomplish, but how it all flowed and I know a lot of people followed up with me of like, I want to be a director at some point. Like what you said really helped me out to know if I'm like prepared to go into that role yet, or if I still have a lot of things to work on, you know? And I think people always call me and they're like, how did you know you're ready for a director role? And I'm like, usually like there's going to be things that you have to learn on the fly when you take that position, if it's a new position, but uh, that's why it's great to have mentors around you that are willing to pick up the phone and help you out when you're trying to navigate situations.
0: For sure. It's an iterative process at every stage, you know, and I think young coaches don't always realize And 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 maybe this is an area that, you know, our generation of coach, we're a little better uh, than, you know, I think we all go back to some of these, you know, dungeon weight room stories of just like, we had to, you know, all all the terrible things we had to do as interns, but I think we're a little bit more aware of things we don't know. And we're okay saying that in, in our leadership roles of saying, Hey, those are great questions. Uh, I can give you a little insight to it, but you know, these are things the field is still figuring out or, or we need to ask someone else that has better answers. And I think as a field, we're doing a better job with that. And, uh, yeah, I, I, it makes me think a lot, you know, we've talked technology, we've talked a little bit of coaching and, and it makes me think a lot about, you know, the people skills, the non-weight room skills that are important for strength and conditioning coaches. Where you know, what are some of those that you see? What do you look for in the coaches you hire, and uh, just some of the personality traits?
1: Yeah, I think uh, this is a question I get a lot because I'm in the hiring processes significantly uh, at a high level. So. Especially when piecing a staff together, like at Mississippi State, I was literally as I got done with year three, I hired everyone around me, you know, and and my job is to look at myself in the mirror as a head person and be like, what are my strengths and weaknesses and how can I make my staff well rounded based off of what I bring to the table, you know, so my personality is super extroverted, pretty loud, I'm not gonna lie, I'm completely aware of these things. But I want to make sure, like I'm aligning, like I work with wrestling, a very testosterone-based sport, like I thrive with that. But as I hire my staff around me, like Frank that I have on staff, um, Barone, he he came from like professional soccer, um, really big football, you know, like the real football one would say mind, you know. So pairing him up with men's and women's soccer, and he speaks the language at a high level, and and can talk with uh, our two head coaches over there at a high level. He understands return to play, understands how to take the players like game day minus one, two, three, four, five, all the above, you know, what they need to do to, to cap off some of these thresholds. Um, Mary Beth, someone that's super seasoned, you know, and and been in the field for a long time and she can deal with the the more difficult sport coaches, one would say, you know, or manage those situations that she's just been through it. Taylor comes from a baseball background rotational. So I think just like looking at your staff around you, because it's something that I had to come in and meet with all the head sport coaches of like what they're looking for in their strength coach. Um, how do they define success in, in their strength coach? And certain people have like this thought process of certain personalities, you know, what skill sets do you have um, and what they've been exposed to historically. But I know like the one person that's been with me the longest period of time is Aaron Duval. That's my associate head. Now he's with me at Mississippi state. And I knew like, my time is, is super limited with certain things, and I know he's a great teacher, so like, that's why I put him with the sport science master's students, because he can articulate himself really, really well, and is very patient, you know, wants to really pour into young people, and the one thing with our staff is, like, we bring in the, the interns, but also we have the fellow positions that open up in the summer, so, like, if you come in in the spring and intern with us and do a really good job, we'll want to keep you on board and put you in that paid spot, projectability-wise, so... I think just looking at yourself as a a head person, wherever you're at, just hiring around you, like your skill sets that you're missing, you know, or things that, I know Brett Partholomey made like the really good square chart of like um, things that are are really important and need to happen. ASAP is probably something that I need to take care of. Maybe less important and not so time sensitive. You can kind of assign and delegate accordingly. I look at that chart a lot and I'm like, all right, like the people around me, who can I delegate responsibilities to and know that they'll Crush it, you know, at a high level and I won't have to stress over it. I think um, just really looking at yourself and, and knowing yourself at a high level and being able to assign accordingly, especially because I I inherited some staff members and I wanted to sit down and really figure out like one of the questions that I asked all of them was, do you want to be a, a director or a head person? And not everyone says yes, you know, and that's okay. So I need to put them in, in a seat at the table that like, all right, you are super organized and and you don't want to be like the face, but you're like a great go-to person for this, that, and the other, just getting understanding of the expectations of your staff and what they have in themselves and how you, you can help them grow and achieve because you don't want staff that are sitting there like, I don't feel like I'm growing year to year or semester to semester, and you have to sit down and really talk to them about how they define success for themselves and in the field. So, and that was a really long-winded answer, but um,
0: so yeah. No, it's great. Uh, it's something I think about, you know, early, when you first get into the field, you have, you have some big goals, you have some big goals and you're willing to go anywhere for them, uh, speaks to your journey, uh, going to Mississippi, a place where you never thought you'd end up. I remember being in the Southern league and I'm from the Northeast originally. So that was, that was just a different experience for me. And, uh, we each have these unique coaching journeys and young coaches have to figure that out for themselves. And the one thing I realized is that you know your goals on the front end really are only as good as how you can communicate them and you're still figuring out that process for you. And it's uh in every five, 10 years, you know, your goals might change. So I, I love that question of like, do you want to be a head strength and conditioning coach, or do you see yourself as a director one day? And um, and I think nowadays it goes back to what I said before of we're more open as a field to people that have different maybe goals than, than we had. Uh, if you want to be, you know, I wanted to be a major league strength coach, but that doesn't mean that everybody on our staff that didn't see themselves getting to the big leagues, um, wasn't worthy of being there. They added value. There was a lot that they could provide. And I think that's some, that, that is just something that when we're in leadership roles and we talk about, you know, young coach progressions all the time, you know, like what do you do? And we're always telling the young coaches what to do, but when we're in leadership roles, it's really important that we are uh, a great example. And I like what you said about how you uh, you are open-minded to different views that maybe reflect the institution and the different people you have on staff. I think that's really, uh, that's really powerful. And uh, Stephanie, I, I, I enjoy talking to you. I think there's so much, um, you know, you're doing some great work at Pitt. Uh, you know, you're at Mississippi state. I could just tell from your presentation at summer strong that you had some really cool things going on. And so I encourage young coaches to, uh, get on social media, see what's going on. Uh, the pit performance, uh, Instagram page and, and check that out. But Stephanie, I want to give you a chance to share your contact info if anyone wants to reach out listening in today.
1: Yeah. So our, our Instagram page is at Pitt sports performance. Um, so check us out. We actually are, are posting a little bit about our sports science and uh, our master's curriculum currently, you know, in the different phases that we're going through. So if you're interested in that content, we're we're recently posting that um, my Twitter is at coach Steph mock. Um, and then my email is at smock at athletics.pit.edu. So yeah. Um, I'm really, really excited to, to be on the podcast and be here at Pitt. I started in June, but I feel like I've already been here for a hot minute. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think it's a really exciting time between sports science and strength and conditioning. And uh, I, I tell everyone to just challenge themselves and continue to learn every day. And And like Eric, you just touched on, like, you can learn from anybody on your staff. Like I can learn from my interns, you know, and I tell everybody on my staff, like, you can have whatever percentage of the program that you would like. Like it's not hundred percent Stephanie mock it's, you know, 20% mine, 20% Lauren, my intern, like 20% Mary Beth, you know? So I think really just being open-minded and respecting everyone's uh, opinion and, and how they look at things, you know, cause I think the interns, they see things in a different light. Like you look back to like when you were an intern and how you saw things on the floor, like it's still extremely valuable, you know? So I think, um, yeah, that's my two cents for the day. That's my soapbox. But Eric, I can't thank you enough for having me on, and I look forward to staying in
0: touch. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for being with us, um, to all our listeners. Thanks for tuning in, and we'd also like to thank Sorenex Exercise Equipment. We appreciate their support. From the NSCA, thank you for listening to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. We serve you, the coaching community. So follow, subscribe, and download for future episodes. We look forward to connecting with you again soon and hope you'll join us at an upcoming NSCA event or in one of our special interest groups. For more information, go to nsca.com. This was the NSCA's coaching podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.